Welcome to Declaration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us this morning. Our prayer is that you are deeply encouraged through Pastor John's message and that God would move in your life in a powerful way. God is doing big and amazing things right now in and through our church, and we would so love for you to be a part of it. Before we join the service in progress, I want to share a few quick things with you. We would love for you to interact with us at facebook.com slash declarehim. And if you would like more information about all things Declaration Church, please visit us at declaration.org. Now, as we join the service, I would like to say, welcome home. How's everybody feeling today? Are you feeling good? Oh, come on now. I thought we had this down by now. How's everybody feeling today? I hope you're feeling good. So much better. So much better. All right. You know the drill. If, if this is your first time with us, man, we want to say welcome home. Thank you for being with us. Uh, you're okay, Tim. Keep going, man. It's all good. Do it. Make a lap. Praise break. Anyway, um, <laughs> I like it. Anyway, uh, we, we do want to say welcome home. Thank you for being with us. We hope that you, uh, when you came in, it just felt like a different atmosphere, and I hope you feel welcome today and excited for some reason. Maybe you don't even know why. Football's not on. I mean, you know, so, but man, you're excited. I'll tell you what that is. That's the spirit of the Lord. We've, we've prayed and we've invited him here and, and um, we believe that he's here. Uh, you are joining us this, this week in week number four of a series called The Movement Initiative. And if you do not have this with you, if you do not have this book with you, or if you've never seen this book, we love to give you one. We want to put one in your hands. So, so you know, don't be shy. High in the sky. Let me see your hands up because we want to give you one of these books. We've got people right now walking around with them. Everybody brought your book back? Man, you're doing so good. I'm so proud of you. Julie, you need a book, Julie? <laughs> it's okay. It's, that's why we printed extras, so we want you to have this book. Do not, do not be shy. Tim needs one, too. That's okay. Ryan, they're going to need another one. <laughs> Ryan, they need one more. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to page number 30. We're on week four, and um, man, I, I have been praying for you. I've been praying with you. I can tell you um, when we talk about God moving, it's not just some rhetorical like we, we sure hope this is happening. When you ask the spirit of God to move and when you begin to surrender to, to, the, to the leadership of God, he moves. And let me tell you something. When he begins to move, somebody else does too. We have an enemy who hates us. He wants to steal from you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to disrupt your life. He wants you to be depressed. He wants to literally kill you, to still kill and destroy. But in that same verse, there's so much hope because it says that Jesus came to give life and life more abundant. Can I tell you something? The enemy that hates you is not Jesus's co-part. He's not his co-equal on the other side. It doesn't work like that. Jesus is supreme king of all. Jesus, I mean, the enemy was created by God. And so Jesus wins, period. Can I just declare that over us? All right. And so as we are going and as God is moving and as you're surrendering more and spiritual warfare is ramping up, we'll talk more about it, um, just understand you don't have to be in fear of the enemy. All he has is manipulative tactics, manipulative tactics is all he's got. And so uh, you stand firm in Jesus' name and you plead the blood of Jesus and you're going to be fine. All right? That was free. Somebody needed that. Maybe me. All right, well, if you were here with us Wednesday, what an incredible, incredible night together as a church. If you were not able to be with us Wednesday, you are okay. We're going to do this again uh, next Sunday, and it's going to be awesome. We are seeing some really incredible sacrifices and commitments already being made to the Lord um, in this vision that God has given us for movement. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I've been speaking about it. I cannot say this enough. God is really moving. I mean, he is beginning to really move. We are, even this morning, I had a testimony from a dear friend that came to me and told me how God is moving in them, and they're having to face even that, that passage that we'll be in next week, Genesis, where um, the Lord told Abraham, hey, go to the land that I'm going to show you. I'm not going to tell you where it is. You're just going to have to walk with me. And they've heard that call. 
And so it's interesting how you begin to pray, and, and multiple people even right now in our church, I, I prayed about it a while ago, but there's multiple in our church that have said, you know what, I feel like God is moving us in this new season, in this new direction. And we always hate that on one hand, but also we celebrate on the other, because that means God is moving in them, and they are stepping out in faith. And God is going to do incredible things. So God's moving. I'm so sure that you are all excited. If you were here Wednesday, you want to know what God did through advanced commitment. You want to know a certain number, but out of respect for our primary goal of 100% engagement of our church body really coming into this thing, we are going to wait to share any of that information with the body until after April 14th. And, and, And we want to celebrate that number together. And so we want to wait, we want to hold back, because we all want to, to hear about, um, you know, what God's done, but we want to give everyone a chance to make some sort of commitment to the Lord as they're called, okay? Is that fair? Can we do that? Is, is everybody, somebody mad at me right now because you were really waiting, like amped up, hoping? I apologize, sort of. <laughs> but it's going to be exciting. Now, as a reminder, next Sunday, um, for those who were at Advanced Commitment Sunday, we're going to do the very same thing. I don't want you to, to sleep in and say, oh, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, literally. Um, I, I, I want you to come, and we're going to do it again. So even though Kelly and me, we, put a, we, we, we made our commitment, we're going to do it again. And so I'm going to invite you to do the same thing, all right? We're all going to do it again, and maybe it'll be your first time to make a commitment, to turn in that commitment card to the Lord, but it's going to be an incredible, incredible um, week together. I've seen this in, in other churches in different ways before, and man, the last time I really saw this come into fruition, I was helping um, Woodland United Methodist Church leading worship one Sunday, and I'm telling you, it was a gully washer outside. I mean, I thought we should have built an ark, There was so much rain and water, and I could not believe the number of people. God had obviously been moving in their lives, and the number of people who endured the rain and came out, and and I was supposed to get to this moment where I start singing this song, and I didn't know what to expect. And when I started leading that song, I'm telling the whole church stood up, and everybody came at one time. It was the most powerful thing to see, because it didn't represent just the physical action of what we're committing to. It represented a heart that was bringing the fullness that they had to God. So cool, so cool, and so I don't want you to miss it. We're going to all do it again, um, and if you're going to be doing it for the first time, we want to celebrate that with you as well. Um, so those of you who came Wednesday, I want you to come Sunday again and lead the way again, just like we saw in First Chronicles chapter 29, 6 through 9, if you want to write that down, look it up, it's a good passage, all right? Um, your number, can I tell you this, your number that God has given you may be exactly the same on Sunday. It may be. Um, but for some of you, your number may be different. I know for Kelly and me, can I tell you this? It's, it's what is this, Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four days from, from Wednesday, our number has already changed twice. And so God is still stirring. And we've just, we've made a commitment, strange, strange commitment. You're probably going to be like, you are crazy, John. Um, but every time we see the, em- the enemy ramp up in some other big way against us, we up the ante. We do. And we don't know where it's coming from. God will take care of it. And we don't go crazy, with, but we up the ante. And we say, okay, devil, watch this. And so, our, so you know, I mean, our number has increased two times. Even if your number is the same, we still want you to come forward and commit next week on Commitment Sunday. We want to do this together as a church family. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be, I believe, historic. And it, it, it will begin to shape the trajectory of what God will do in days to come. Maybe some of you are wondering, what is this that I am talking about? <laughs> Maybe it's your first Sunday. That's okay. Um, man, we would love for you to keep pressing in with us. Maybe you've come two or three times. We, we'd love for you to be a part of this as you're led, right? As you're led. Um, maybe in the months to come, God is going to be stirring in you. Just, become, just because next Sunday's Commitment Sunday doesn't mean it's over. This is a two-year real discipleship journey that we're on. And so, man, as God leads, as God moves, come on and let's do this together. It's going to be awesome. So I want to invite you to be a part of this church family in this way as well. Okay, enough about that. Let's dive in. If you've got your Bible, we're going to go to 2 Kings together this morning. And I want to read verses, um, chapter 4, I want to read verses 1 through 7 to you. All right, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 starts with this. It says, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead and and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asks. Tell me, 
What do you have in the house? Well, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replies. And Elisha says, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into those jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she, she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now go sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. See, the message today um, is titled appropriately, Faith in the Face of Famine. Can we pray together for just a moment? Father, would you speak to us? Would you speak through me, God? Um, empower and anoint this word today and allow us to only hear what it is that you desire for us to hear and take away what we need to apply. We pray in Jesus' name together. Amen. So we see in verse 1, one day this, this widow, um, her husband had been a member of this group of prophets and he had died and, and she's um, crying out. And she goes to Elisha, and, and, and she's saying, this creditor's coming, and um, I don't have anything to give, to give him. I, I, you know, if I don't, he's going to take my two sons in, into slavery. So, so widow woman, she'd been following God. She'd been faithful to God her whole life while also following her husband. Um, you know, being a widow could have been uh, enough just in that day to be completely vulnerable, but to be a widow of a prophet, man... That made her even more needy. She's got this great dilemma. She's in great distress. She, she finds herself desperate, okay, for God to move. I don't know, maybe some of you have been in this situation before. Desperate for God to move. I, I'm completely in distress right now. And that's where she finds herself. She'd already lost her husband, and now she's got this, this debt that she cannot pay, obviously a big one. She's in a season of personal drought or famine, if you will, and she cannot see a way out. And so now she is possibly even going to lose her own two sons so that she can pay off her debt. And, um, you know, this is not an, an abnormal thing in the legal system in Israel. See, they would allow her to declare bankruptcy. They would not allow her to declare bankruptcy. Instead, what they would do is, is they would say, give, give me your sons, and they will be our servants um, until this debt is paid off. And so this is why she's talking to Elisha in verse 2. He says, well, what, what, you know, what can I do to help you? I mean, in other words, he's saying, I, I don't really have the means to help you. I'm, I'm one of those prophets, right? I mean, I don't, I don't have what you probably need, but I do have a heart to help you. What, what do I, what can I do? You know, now we could hear this in, in a lot of different ways um, here, what he says next, because he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? I think that's a very interesting question. What do you have in the house? This could be Elisha saying, you know, God has already provided for you in some way. Just be faithful. Wait for him. That, that could be one thing he's saying. Um, he may be saying, God, God's already got something right there. You just may not be able to see it yet. Um, he could be saying, it's quite possible he's saying, you know, God has already put whatever you need already in your house. He could be saying, there's probably already a blessing in your house that you need to redeem. That could be what he's saying. You know, for this woman, it wasn't just a moment that, that needed change. This was about her life that needed change. She, she had lost a lot at this point. She was poorer than poor. She needed to be restored of so many things. Good news today is this. If anyone relates to this widow woman, God is in the business of bringing change. He's in the business of moving and doing powerful things. This lady had reached a critical point, so she cries out. You see, listen, desperation is not always a bad place to be. Why? Because desperation has a way of dissolving pride. And here she is going to Elisha, this poor woman, had most likely at this point, she had probably done everything she could have done in her own power. And now she's just giving up. She's crying out. And so Elisha says in response to this woman who's asking for help, he says, tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all. I don't have anything except all I've got is this flask of oil. That's it. That's all I got. Elisha says, well, you know, hmm, what can I do? I may not have the means, but what do you have to give, he says. 
What do you have in the house? A flask of oil. See, Elisha knows that even though she, not be, she may not be able to, to, to see her miracle, God can do anything he wants. She needs faith in the face of her famine. So he says, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all. Just have nothing. See, immediately, and I don't know if you're like this. I know I've found myself this way before. When I begin to ask God for something, or when I feel like I'm in my own season of famine in whatever way, I begin to disqualify myself immediately. Like, well, there's nothing. I mean, there's no way out of this or whatever. What do you have in the house, he says. (laughs) She disqualifies herself. I've got nothing left. I mean, whatever little she does have is so meager, it's as if she's slightly even embarrassed to say nothing except this flask of of oil, that's all I've got. See, there, there's some evidence, basically, that this jar of oil was not a large supply that would have been used for cooking, but more so just for anointing. It was way smaller amount than probably, um, really, I mean, it was just a small amount of oil. I have nothing but just this oil. Can I say this? Too many times our objections seem to try to stand in the way of God's move. We try to almost derail God before we even trust God. How easily we forget that he can do whatever he desires to do. He moves outside of our impossible and works in the realms of making all things possible. And most likely, even if we can't see it, God has already blessed us with what we need in the house. Oftentimes, I've thought of even in the church, you know, when we're like, oh my gosh, man, we don't have enough this, or we don't have that, or we, don't, we need these people to do this for we, need have every, we, we have really everything we need in the house. The answer to prayer is probably in the house. In the household of God, in the physical house where you live. In the house. We may not just be able to see, God, how great you are. Great things you have done. For everything, we, there's still so much more that can come. It's in the house. In the house. We need to have faith even if we can only see famine. So verse 3, Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can. So all of a sudden, man, ba-boom, ba-boom, you're full. Um, Ba-boom. Borrow as many empty jars as you can, right? He says, go, go borrow all these empty jars that you can from your friends and from your neighbors. I love how the New King James says this because it reads this way. It says, then he says, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels. And I want you to take note of this next part that he says. He says, do not gather just a few. Now, remember what she said she had. And watch what it keeps saying. Then I want you to go into your house with your sons. I want you to shut the door behind you. And I want you to pour that olive oil from your flask into those empty jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So Elisha in this verse begins to basically speak into her. He begins to call her to big faith. Put big faith in action here. Go borrow jars from everywhere. Go borrow jars from anyone. All of your friends, all of your family, all of your neighbors, as many empty jars as you can find. Don't just ask for a few. I know what you see. I know what you say that you got. I want you to go borrow as many as you can find. Do not just ask for a few. I want you to, I want you to zoom out and have heavenward perspective here. He knew that the woman was most likely, you know, in her own past. She's just going to go get a few jars or vessels if, if he didn't just really challenge her. But... He specifically told her not to do that. He said, do not settle for too small here. Have a big faith in a big God. Go borrow as many as you can find. That's what he says. Elisha makes this woman commit herself to God's provision by challenging her to step out in faith and instructing her to go to her community to to ask, even when it seems awkward. This means she's got to lay down in whatever pride she may have and ask to borrow these empty jars, and not just a few of them, but as many as that she could get her hands on. Verse 4, then he says, go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it's filled. Basically, go in faith, collect the jar, the number of jars basically that she would collect would indicate the measure of faith that she was walking in. Hey, how many, let me ask you something. Are you collecting jars right now? I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about your story, your situation. Then, this is what she said. Then he says, I want you to go into your house with your sons. And I want you to shut the door behind you. I want you to get into private. I was having a... Um, 
a conversation with my buddy, pastor of the Avenue Church, Dave DeFrancesca, this week, and, and um, we were able to help them with a, a small situation that, that is going to bless somebody, but excited to, to, to be a part of that. But as we were talking about this, he goes, well, what you, what you preaching, man? And so I'm, I'm telling him, oh, this is what we're doing this week. He goes, man, I did that two weeks ago. Are you copying me? <laughs> Like, yep. No, I didn't. And I said, no. I said, that's crazy, though. He said, yeah. He said, man, I love this verse. He said, this is what, man, this is what God hit me with. And so I got to give credit where credit's due. Listen to what, what Pastor Dave said about this, where, where, where he tells her, go and shut the door behind you. Here's what he said. He said, a private life with God will bring a public blessing from God. Man, we need to hear that. See, it's going to be impossible for you to believe that you need to go collect jars. If you're not walking privately with God. See, not everyone was supposed to see this miracle take place. This was for the widow and her sons, the beneficiaries, basically, of this blessing. So he tells her, I want you to pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. I imagine this must have, this must have struck her very interesting from my, wait, from my flask? <laughs> from this? Yeah. I want, you to, I want you to use that. I want you to fill all of these jars. Fill all of these jars, right? When they're filled, set them aside. I mean, but, but my flask is, this is, there's not a lot in here. I don't, I don't have much. How, how will it fill all of these jars that we gather? Verse 5. But she did as she was told. She stepped in faith. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one. After another, after another, after another, after another, tell a neighbor. She filled another, and another, and another, and another. And it kept going, and it goes on, verse 6. Soon every container was full to the brim. And she says, bring me another jar. She looks at her kid, hey, bring me another one. And, and he says, there aren't any more. And as soon as this moment right then happened, it says, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. Stop flowing. See, some of us today need to stop staring at the famine of what we think that we don't have and start stepping into faith to receive what God has for us. So notice the faith of Elisha. First, he says, what's in your house? What can you give? Basically, for, for this is, what, what, what can you give for their freedom, for your boy's freedom? I want you to hear that in context, too. Theirs and ours. What would we give for their freedom? What's in our house? What, what, what has God already provided for you that you can redeem and release for the kingdom? Now you know, he says, now you know not believe, he says, sorry, do you now not believe that God can and will take care of you? Do you now not believe that God will provide for you? See, the miracle would be given according to the measure of her faith. She was to go and borrow vessels. She had no promise of provision. All she had was what Elisha had told her. Borrow as many of these empty jars as you can find from your friends and neighbors. Elisha knew what God could do. Where the widow would see famine, Elisha had faith, and he called it out of her. He called it out of her. Can I ask you a few questions? Just think about this for a moment. Who or what might God be trying to use in your life to prompt you to think bigger? To prompt you to gather more jars? Or who might you need to be encouraging to do the same? Maybe you're supposed to be someone's Elisha today. Back to verse 5. So she did what she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full of the brand. Bring me another jar, and you know the rest of the story. There aren't no more. Then the oil stops flowing in verse 7. When, the, when she tells the man of God what happened, he says, Now go sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and your sons, you and your sons can live on what's left over. So listen, here's the truth today. So often our view of God is limited to our own human calculation, to our own human circumstance. In, in light of something that we're in, engaged in right now together, a movement initiative, our, our perspective of God is only limited to what we see in the bank. But what, what do we have access to in God's bank is the question. We often find ourselves staring in the face of famine, and it grips us in fear. We limit God, and we presuppose that God may or may not do 
what he may or may not do in this or that situation that we might be walking through in this moment. This is exactly what is happening in this passage. So many of us might be doing that very thing as it relates to our movement commitment. The question becomes this, but what if I put out another jar? What might God do? What if I put out three times as many jars? What if I add a zero to the number of jars that I was going to put out? What would happen then? Listen, church, I want you to ask God to search your heart and stretch your faith with me. I am. I'm continuing to come before God. God, search my heart and stretch my faith. I'm going to invite you to do the same because our God has no limits. He has no limits to him. What do we truly believe about God's provision? Especially when we may stare at what seems to be famine in a moment. Had this widow borrowed just a few vessels? Had she borrowed just a few jars? Guess what? She would have just a little bit of oil. If she had borrowed countless vessels, guess what? They would all be filled, and she would have an unlimited supply of oil. Her only limit was where she would limit God in the number of jars she was willing to first ask for and secondly put out. She went and sought after jars. The only limit she had was the ability for her to continue to look for jars and put more jars in front of God. That was the only limit she had. Please, listen, can I tell you something? Charles Spurgeon once said, we often make our blessings small because our belief is small. Because our prayer is small. God will never stop pouring out his fullness if we will keep stepping out in faith. Let me say it again. God will never stop pouring out his fullness if we will keep stepping out in faith. So again, look at the, look at the result of this. Verse 7. When she tells the man of God what happens, he says, okay, now. Now go and sell the olive oil and pay your debt off. Your boys are free. And you and your sons, you live on what's left over. See, what started seemingly as insignificant to her became significant for her and in her when she moved in faith and obedience. God will never stop pouring out his fullness if we will keep stepping out in faith. Some of our very own family in the church has walked through a really difficult season for years, begging God, waiting on God for them I think it was a time of, of personal famine in many ways, yet still continuing to move forward in faith. I want you to watch this video together. Check this out. I'm Mike. And I'm Krista, and we've been married for 12 years. When we first got married, I was 22. He was 27 or 28. I just wasn't ready for kids. Like, I didn't really babysit. Diapers in general kind of freaked me out. So I was like, we are going to wait on this. But then we were finally ready at five years. And so we started to try to have a kid. And we struggled for about a year. And so when we finally got pregnant, obviously, we were super excited. I remember Mike was actually in his office. And he was doing devotions. And I went in to take the test. And I came in and brought it into him and obviously was crying. So I got down on my knees and I showed him the thing. And he started crying, so it was just like super fun because it's that first kid, it's the first moment, you know? And so every time that we got pregnant, I really wanted to try to make it special and kind of do the same thing because it was just memorable for us that first time. Having a second child, I think for me, was always just, it was always just what we were going to do. It never crossed my mind that we wouldn't. Pretty quickly after we decided we were ready for that second one, we got pregnant again. I started to spot a little bit, and so I went into the doctor, and there wasn't so much cause for concern just because it can happen on occasion, and so we ended up coming back, and then it was a lot of spotting to the point where I felt the baby come out. And so we went into the doctor, and there was no heartbeat. I remember there was a moment sitting there and praying, and just kind of asking the Lord, like, what do you have for me? Like, what am I supposed to learn out of all this? And I saw this angel coming down towards me and it touched my mouth and literally like breathed life into me. Closed my eyes and I remember very vividly seeing this little girl with curly blonde hair. I remember that really just impacted me because I felt like the Lord was telling me like, you're gonna have this baby girl. I basically clung on to that for as long as I could. Two years later, still no baby. So I was just really confused. Like, Lord, like, why would you give me this promise if you're not going to deliver? 
as Krista would share some of the words that she felt like people would speak over her, or even the vision that she talked about uh, of you know having life breathed into her, I almost kind of became a little skeptical because it was almost like, why am I going to allow myself to hope or to kind of walk down that road if I don't really know what it is that God's going to do? Mike and I met with the doctor and started doing the IVF thing, which is hard. Emotionally, I was just done for. And we got the call and they told us that we weren't pregnant. And I can remember, Kason was in the room with us and he's just seeing me bawling. And I didn't know, like, I couldn't, I didn't have anything in me to like respond to him at that time. He looked at me, he looked over, and he walked over to Kristen, and I'll never forget, he didn't even miss a beat. He reaches his hand out, he puts his hand on her shoulder, and he says, Mommy, it's okay. God's gonna give you a baby. We're gonna go through struggles, and sometimes you just need to tell your heart to beat again. It's gonna be okay, like he's with you. He's not walking you through a trial and letting you flounder. Like he's gonna be there for this and he's good. And I just needed that reminder that morning, like I'm gonna be okay. He promised me this. For so long we had been waiting for this baby. And so every single time I would be late, I just would wait an X amount of days before I would take the test. So we had just left church. Mike had to stay for teardown. And I was like, I'm not waiting anymore. <laughs> so I went to the drugstore, came back home, took the test, shaking the entire time because I'm nervous. Like, he's not home with me. And it came back positive. Krista had left, and she comes back. She had her sunglasses on, and she lifts her sunglasses up. In that brief moment, I kind of see like a smile come across, and I and I kind of mouthed her. I said, "Are we pregnant?" And and she said, "Yes." And I just lost it. Kason was there with us because he was helping with teardown. He always does every week with Mike. So all three of us have this big family hug, and John is like standing in the corner, like, "Yay, guys!" <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it. it. Just made sense that I find out while I'm tearing down. Like, it's not this, okay, big flowery announcement that my wife gives you, but it was special. We have had our Declaration family with us through this entire journey. They have been there before we started IVF. They were with there through the IVF, and now they're with us, literally standing right here as we're telling and announcing that we're pregnant. When we came to the gender reveal, it was this moment of, do I believe the vision that God gave me? It's like he was asking me, do you trust me? I know you've walked through this journey, but I've given you this vision of this baby girl. Do you trust me that I'm gonna give it to you? So it's like this literal moment, do you put on blue or pink? Like, it's like an actual like, decide, Krista. <laughs> And so I put on pink, and as soon as we popped the thing, it was like, God, you're so good. Because Kaysen is right there with me, I immediately go back and remembering what he said. And I also remembered back to this vision that Krista had been given that God would breathe life into her. And she had always held to the belief that it was gonna be natural because she wanted to be able to give that glory to God fully. And it was like all these different things that I had held back wanting to hope in or believe in. It was like God said, I got you. I'm gonna tell this story. Yeah, you get to play a part in it, but it's gonna be the story that I tell through you guys. I think the thing that solidified for me is he's a God that desires to give us the desires of our heart. He loves us so much and he knows exactly what we want. 
what we need. We just have to trust it. Community at Declaration has been a game changer. God gave us this promise when we first said we were going to go all in and we were going to answer what he told us to do. I mean, we're going to be obedient. He told us, this is where your community is going to be, so this is where we went. It's just been the way that community has kind of filled those gaps in the different moments as we've walked through. And then just being able to return that, you know, love, that, you know, listening ear or challenge to others that we've walked with. Yeah, and we've been serving as small group leaders now for the past, you know, two years. And that's been incredible. Like, I feel like even though we were leaning in the midst of trial, God totally used those people to minister to us in the midst of all that, which yeah. has been amazing. Come on, somebody. Mike and Crystal. It was true. I was awkwardly standing by when Krista tells Mike this. So they're all hugging. I'm kind of like, yay. <laughs> kind of group hug everybody. Man, I love how, uh, let me give y'all these here. I love how um, your son prophesied a promise. That's pretty cool, huh? Uh, so let me ask you, how do you feel like that, uh, that that whole season has impacted your spiritual life, your spiritual walk with God, your faith journey? I'm, sp I'm supposed to go first. You're the man. You lead. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I think. I think for me, it was. Um, you, you heard a little bit of it. I, I didn't want to hope as much because I was worried. Well, what if it doesn't happen? Because then I've just created this expectation. And and I think, looking back and even listening to the story. It was about what was I willing to sacrifice? What was I willing to let go of to let God tell his story? Because there were so many moments where um, Chris and I didn't want to do IVF. More specifically, she didn't want to. And so, and, and I was more kind of, okay, well, let's keep the option open. And, and so we had something present present itself that would allow us to do it basically at no cost because it was part of a study they were doing and and I was all for it and it was kind of the first time where she kind of went well maybe this is God doing that and and so I think those little things as we walked through this journey it was like I kept trying to tell it my way because it was going to be hey this is what will happen because God presented this incredible opportunity and it wasn't until I finally started to let go and just say okay God you're going to tell this story and, and, and letting go of what I believed, what I dreamed it would look like, and trusting that he's going to tell it. I think for me, the biggest part is the visions, like very detailed visions that the Lord gave me. I started to think if I was crazy, like if I actually saw it, because it had been four plus years of just waiting and like I said in the video in that moment of when we find out we're pregnant and I have to choose do I put on this blue or do I walk in faith in the vision that the Lord specifically gave me and put on that pink and claim God is good in the midst of all those trials and so we all put on pink and the crazy thing is is in that vision it was a curly hair little girl and she's got curly hair now. And so it's like even down to like the minute details, God is so good. And so having to walk in that faith, like I feel like my faith has grown so much more because of that. He was just like, trust me, like I love you and I desire good for you. I am not here to harm you, I'm here for you. So. That's good stuff. It's almost like Kaysen was your little jar of oil, yeah. and every vision was in, you know, or his little flask oil, and every vision was another jar that God was reminding you to put out, yeah. you know, not to, but that's the one that hit me. Yes or no question. So after walking through a season like this and um, seeing God move in such a powerful way, feeling like just, man, I know I've heard from God, 
You know, are you faster now than you were before to join God when he's moving and inviting you into deeper depths of faith? I mean, I think we are, especially as we've been going into this movement. Like, it's more of an excitement. You know, like when God delivers, you know he's going to deliver again. He's God. Like, he breathed life into Adam and Eve and said something and there was a mountain. So clearly he's going to deliver. And so as we were going through this, both of us prayed. And he's been traveling a lot lately. And so I remember the moment of, okay, babe, I got my number. I need you to pray. I'm not telling you my number until you match my number. And then we'll move forward. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure, right? We did that too. (laughs) We did that too. I can echo, you know, what Krista was saying, but I think for me, what also carried through is um, at one of the first meetings uh, that we were talking about the movement, uh, we talked about sacrifice. And so as I looked back and and seeing this season that we came out of, I think for us, it was looking at what are we willing to give up? What are we willing to sacrifice knowing that God can take what we're willing to sacrifice and give and use that to have to allow others to walk in community, to allow others to be free, to allow others to mend broken hearts, mend broken souls. I mean, just that he can use that in such bigger ways than if I have a little bit more for myself to enjoy life a little bit better. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, so please don't share what God told you to commit. No numbers. <laughs> Um, went on to that, but will you share with us the heart behind what God has told you to commit? I, I think it was kind of just what I alluded to. It was sacrifice. That was the heart. It was, it, it, we, we love to get away and travel. And so I think the questions that we were asking is, okay, can we push this trip out or can we do something a little bit closer give up NFL Sunday ticket oh sorry Mike (laughs) (laughs) obviously we were still praying through that (laughs) maybe just a little bit (laughs) (laughs) sorry that was awesome you can't pay for that kind of stuff that's great (laughs) yeah um so, but it's exactly those kind of conversations. You know, what, what things in our lives can we change? Am I willing to do this uh, because I know I can give more or I know that someone else will be blessed because of that sacrifice? Yeah, that's good. I did get her number, by the way, first shot. Whoa, that's <laughs> the Lord. So what are some, um, you know, what are some words of encouragement and challenge that you would have for the rest of us as we all prepare for Commitment Sunday next weekend as we pray. Anything? I mean, just trust God. He's going to meet you where you're at. You might not. I mean, the number we have is definitely a little scary, and I was nervous, but I know that God is faithful. So, like, if you know and you believe in the character of who God is, let him challenge you where you're at. You know, don't be scared of that. He will meet you. I think it would be embrace the little moments where you feel like God is really speaking to you because I I think we have the ability, I know for myself personally, we have the ability to kind of explain away God moments in our lives because we can look and we can go, you know what, well, this happened and then this happened and because these two things happened, this last piece happened. And I had to learn and I still, it's still a challenge for me just because of the way my mind works is to give God his opportunity to speak into your life and accept it. When Kaysen sat there and told Krista, it's okay, mommy, God's going to give you a baby. The dad side of me, because I wanted to honor my son and believe, you know, encouraged him in that moment. The skeptical side of me, the adult side of me said, well, okay, that's nice. I'm glad you can do that. Is it really going to be that way? You know, and my challenge or encouragement to you is, don't be afraid to hope in that. Um, because I think even in the midst of what we walked through, if things had been slightly different, we'd still be giving God glory because he was telling his story. Yeah. And there may have been a few more moments where it was not exactly the way we planned. Um, but I think there's, 
life's too short not to embrace those moments where you're able to hope and to believe. And it, I, I believe it keeps us going. Yeah, it's good. All right, last question. How do you see God uniquely working in our church family right now? And what are some of the hopes and prayers that you have for the future of our church? I mean, the biggest thing for us when we came here, I felt like God gave us the vision of community. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this is my community. Like, we love walking with each and every one of you people, hearing your stories, and that's what it's all about. And to have an actual building that we can do that in, I think would be a game changer. I mean, I love setting up my son, not me. I used to set these chairs up, but not anymore. Uh, There's always My room. son does those. <laughs> and I mean, it's great, but I mean, to be able to have, actually have a building to do that would be incredible. I think it's, you know, I used to joke with you when we were first getting going, you know, you asked the question, what is, what is, what do you dream of when you dream of church? And I think for me, my idea of church has always been, it's just a bunch of broken people trying to figure it out. And so you're sitting next to someone who doesn't have it all together. And if you think you do, then be careful. Um, but I, I think that's what I see is I, I, I see a genuineness in, in this group of people that comes. Um, a genuineness to accept, hey, I'm not perfect or they're not perfect. Or, and just being able to walk arm in arm, hand in hand, and, and say, you know what, I got you. I love you. I care about you. I'm praying for you. And I think taking a step as we look at this exciting move, um, I think there's a whole nother group of people that are afraid to step into this because it's a school, but are waiting for something more permanent because they're going to go, you know what, they're going to be here. I don't know if they're going to be here right now. And so I think that's what's exciting for me. And I think that's what, you know, that's the way I see God moving. That's good. That's good. Thank you guys for telling your story. Can we give them a hand? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, as we wrap this morning, um, the team's coming. And can I challenge us just a little bit? Are we only looking... And what we can see, are, are we really leaning into what God says? All right, I want you to think about that over the next few days. Because um, some of us right now, I think, are probably staring in the face of famine right where we are. Well, the question, will we, will we move forward in faith? Will we take those faith steps that God is inviting us to take in, in whatever area of our life? And as he's moving, will we move with him? Um, some of us have been imprisoned by a poverty mindset. And that can play out in many different ways, spiritually, emotionally, um, financially. We can be chained to fear and chained to that famine. Do we believe God to be our provider? Do we believe God to be our provision? Even, even sometimes our prosperity. Do we believe God in that? Can I tell you, church, as far as this... Um, this movement initiative goes, we in and of ourselves can only do so much, but when we move together with God, we can see the miracle. Just got to keep putting out jars. We got to keep putting out jars. We got we to go get some more vessels. And if we'll keep moving with God in faith, putting out jars, guess what? God's going to keep pouring out oil. I got to tell you something because I got, I mean, if you could see me right now, I don't know if y'all can see that. Maybe the people in TV can. Zoom in. All right. <laughs> um, you know, oil typically represents the Holy Spirit of God. Well, I started, <laughs> I started thinking about that and I was like, man, we really got to keep gathering jars. <laughs> we got to keep putting out jars. I mean, can I ask you this? What if, what if each jar, what if these vessels are people? Think about it. What if these are, what if they represent people? See, we got to keep gathering people and bringing people into the house. And God will keep pouring out oil. He will keep pouring out his spirit. We got to keep gathering jars. 
You got to keep gathering jars. Will you have faith in the face of famine? Personally, can I tell you, man, this spiritual battle that's happening right now, it has impacted my family hard. And I choose joy. I choose joy. I choose to step forward in faith, and I know my wife does too. In fact, sometimes she's encouraging me in this journey. The faith in the face of famine. Billy Beecham, famous at least Texas-wide student evangelist once said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And I just want to add to that. But when the devil wants to go for the kill, guess what? He's going to try to attack your kids. And I've seen so many students in our church right now fall under attack that here in the next few days, i got to figure out when, but I'm going to call a special meeting just of time to, to put our heads and hearts together and pray and get a plan. Because no more in the name of Jesus. I'm tired of that stuff, man. I'm tired of it. Go ahead, come on, praise him. Like I said last Wednesday at the Advanced Commitment Night, as we press into deeper faith, as we go into new levels, my buddy Mark told me, new levels, new devils, so just prepare. The enemy does not want you to move forward in faith. The enemy does not want you to join God in whatever and however way he's moving in your life and in your family right now. He does not want you to step in faith. So let's not let the oil stop flowing. Amen. Stand to your feet with me, if you will. My little magic TV time machine here went off and doesn't tell me what time it is now. You got it? Are we good? Oh, you got it. Let's pray together. Would you hold out your hands before the Lord? And let's just, Father, we may we be vessels that you pour oil into, God. May we be gathering more and more jars. And may you give us strong faith in the face, even if we're looking in the face of famine. We pray in Jesus' name. God, bless us today as we go through this week and just prepare our hearts for what it is that you are doing. Protect us, God. Protect our kids. Be our provision in every way. We trust you and we bless you. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor John. I want to thank you so much for being with us today for Declaration Church Online. I want to encourage you. We want to be your church family, and we'd love to connect with you. If you want to reach out to us, say hello, uh, maybe send a prayer request, or, or just share a testimony of how God is moving your life, you can do that through declaration.org slash connect. Also, man, God is doing some incredible things right now. If you'd love to join the movement and find out all of the vision that God is pouring out in this church right now, go to jointhemovement.org. You can give to Declaration to be a part of this mission through declaration.org, or you can text the word DECLARATION to 77296. Man, we hope to see you again either in person at the campus or online right here. God bless.